The GameCube is Cool podcast is a recorded and produced show from Toronto, Canada. You can help support the show by going to patreon.com forward slash the GameCube is Cool to find our $1 and $5 a month tier. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters at the $5 or above level for the month of May. I Rebel, Jem McKay, Dan Wagner, Kirsten Cardinal, Jed Winters, and Christopher Valenzi. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the GameCube is Cool podcast. My name is Neil, and I will of course be reading the back of the cases ahead of time since we're covering eight games today, and we don't want to break up the flow of the episode, so I will be joined by Mike Lane in just a little bit. Today we'll be covering Hot Wheels games and a few other fun racers on the Nintendo GameCube. It's going to be a lot of fun. So, without further ado, let's read the back of these cases. It's time to read what's on the back of the case. There's things written on the back of the case. Let's read them. And now we're reading the back of the case. Starting with Hot Wheels Velocity X. Drive like you've never imagined. Criminal racing gangs, gravity-defying stunts, huge loops, insane speeds, spectacular crashes, driving up walls, and an arsenal of weapons. Are you ready for a typical Hot Wheels day? Hot Wheels World Race. Race through volcanoes, ice mountains, and space. Drive the impossible. Collect pickups to trigger shortcuts. Choose from authentic Hot Wheel cars. Extreme airtime. Featuring the song Hot by Smash Mouth. Compete to be the world's greatest driver in the most intense race ever created. The Highway 35 Circuit. Do you have what it takes to master treacherous jumps, death-defying loops, and win the Hot Wheels World Race event? And then we have City Racers. Become an urban legend of street racing in this full-force speed trip against the fastest streetcars in the world. But being the fastest is just the beginning. On these streets, you'll need your best style moves to rack up prestige points and mad respect. And then we have Auto Modelista. Experience the true essence of racing. Sophisticated car physics and opponent AI combined with innovative cel-shaded graphics to let you sense the speed and impact of your tires grabbing the pavement. Toyota, Nissan, Honda, Subaru, Mitsubishi, Mazda, and more. Not sponsored. Next up, we have Tonka Rescue Patrol. Los Angeles, a sprawling metropolis full of self-help gurus, scarlets, and fading celebrities, struggling to stay afloat in an era of economic uncertainty and cheap cable TV. Amidst the turmoil, three very different criminals risk everything in a series of daring and dangerous heists that could set them up for life. Oh, that's GTA 5. Hang on. Uh, save the day, the Tonka way. Be the hero of town as you patrol its streets and lend a hand in classic Tonka rescue and construction vehicles. Explore five unique environments with all your favorite Tonka, tough search and rescue vehicles. Oh, that was awkward. Next up, we have XGRA, Extreme G Racing Association. Defy the laws of gravity. In the future, racing is faster, much faster. And it's totally merciless, which means anything goes. Run by the Extreme Gravity Racing Association, this motorized blood sport throws teams of futuristic bikes and daredevil riders against one another. Through dangerous tracks, crossing vast and treacherous landscapes, pushing all to the limits and beyond. Then we had Road Trip, the Arcade Edition. Four player party and battle modes, 100 plus vehicles and parts, hot rods, heavy trucks, attack weapons, and jetpacks, 150 plus races and minigames, 36 courses, speed tracks, snowy mountains, futuristic, and more. Unlock special racing circuit when connected to road trip shifting gears for the Game Boy Advance. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to my Back of the Case segment for episode 49 of the GameCube is Cool podcast. If you skipped ahead to this point, I don't blame you. Uh, I'm going to pass over the mic now to future Mike and Neil. So, boys, take it away. 
the GameCube, GameCube was cool. Hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. And that's why if you book a 445 meeting, you're dead to me. Hmm. On a Friday, especially. Oh, yeah, exactly. Oh, God, man. Those are the worst. Who, who does that? Like, have you, do, do you have one of those this week? I, I had one at some point in, in, in the past. Let's mm. just say that. Let's not timestamp this episode. <laughs> uh, Jeez. Anyways, um, you, you know what I was thinking the other day, Neil? Hmm. There's What's no that? more universal celebrities. Universal celebrities. How do you and define I mean, that? Yeah. Yeah. What I'm what I mean by that is is we're starting to get into an era where there's not like uh, everyone doesn't know everyone basically. So like 20 years ago mm-hmm. when, they, when we were growing up, uh, there were very like easily recognizable celebrities. It's like everyone in the world knows Brad Pitt, right? Okay. For example, uh, but nowadays it's becoming less and less that way. It's like these certain whether they're actors whether they're tv stars or something you know uh, reality stars i guess there's there's not this like collective knowing of celebrities uh everyone's kind of like in their own little zone you know podcasters there's a lot of celebrity podcasters in that podcast zone but if you ask your parents who's a celebrity podcaster yeah uh they will almost certainly not be able to tell you who you know yeah i think i see what you're saying like if you said to your parents joe rogan like our generation know joe rogan as the podcaster and somewhat controversial podcaster these days um that that's mainly what we know him for but if if you asked your parents who joe Ro- joe rogan was they would just say oh the fear factor host if that mm-hmm. yeah yeah uh, there's there's that i mean joe rogan's not a great example because people do know him okay but i'm thinking about other other people in the twitch space in the podcast space and sure. tiktok where there's these people who have millions of follower, followers, mm-hmm. but most of the population might not even know who they are. Yeah. I mean, gaming is still so new that like maybe gamers get older and we start to become seniors and everything like that. I think then you'll start to see more universal Twitch streamers. I think that there are universal celebrities in the music space still, though. I don't agree that there aren't any musical ones. Like everyone knows who Beyonce is. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. I'm not saying that there's not any anymore like right now. But we're moving mm. towards that. You know, I could oh, see in 20 yeah. years, we don't we don't have it, that anymore. We yeah. have maybe one or two, and that's it. Yeah, I, I feel like a lot of them are aging out. Like, the when mm-hmm. you look at the, you know, the Oscars were recently, that those just aired a couple weeks back. And most of the actors that everybody knows are all pretty old now. Like, there aren't any young up-and-coming actors, I feel like, that are universally praised. Like Exactly, yeah, yeah. Um, like Anthony Hopkins won Best Actor. He's like 80 three years old which is you know great he's a great actor i'm not taking that away from him but i I know what you're saying that like you know the brad pitts of the acting world are definitely aging out and and there are just so many i think now with the internet and everything being so instantaneous and everyone's just found their own pocket of said internet and that's why we're not seeing as many universal uh celebrities like like you and i love bands that most people have never even heard of and never will hear because they're not on the radio you know they're not selling records they're just on spotify and everything is is so readily available that it's harder for these 
these talented people to stand out uh, amongst mm -hmm. millions of people where you can be successful and, and only have a few thousand followers on your YouTube page or your Instagram page. Like you don't have to have millions of people supporting you and being up three movies a year anymore. So I think that just pop culture in general has shifted a little bit. And we still, we still will see outliers of people who are mass celebrities like, you know, The Rock and Beyonce and, and those types of people. We'll, we'll see those few people stand out. But I think you're right. That whole like era of mass celebrityism, if we'll call it that, has probably seen its end for, for now, at least. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I just wanted to bring that up. Uh, I just was uh, I was talking to a friend of the show, Ramon, about it the other day. And so we were I was like, yeah, that's true, Ramon. Ah. <laughs> so thanks, Ramon, for that. That's that's his opening topic that <laughs> we can say he submitted. <laughs> that's his that's his free one. Thanks, Ramon, for that. <laughs> Mike, we actually do have a Patreon submitted topic today, though. Why don't we bring that one up? Sure, let's do it. Cool. Jed Winters, one of our Patreon supporters. Remember, listeners, you can write into us on Patreon.com. Supporters at the $5 or above level get to write in an opening topic for us. And Jed wants to know, in your wildest dreams, what would you want to hear from Nintendo at E3 this year? And what are your realistic expectations from Nintendo? I, I like that he had to break it up into the <laughs> two categories because it's because you know you're not getting your wildest dream. You're not even getting your dreams. No, no. <laughs> Nintendo is very good at crushing Nintendo fans' dreams. Every year E3 <laughs> rolls around and, you know, there's these huge ambitious dreams of, you know, Mother 3 coming out and every Nintendo game ever made will be on Switch. It's not going to happen. So, Mike, let's uh, let's talk about E3 this year, which is coming up soon. It's between June 12th and June 15th. Uh, it's a popular gaming expo where all the gaming publishers and developers come out and they let us know what games we can look forward to for the next year. So uh, why don't you hit me with your first wildest dream Nintendo expectation of E3 this year? My wildest and really only, I have other ones, but this is really the one that I want more than anything. And it's a full back catalog subscription service. Okay. Something that I, you know, we've talked about this many times before. Yep. That this is the future, and if Nintendo doesn't acknowledge that this is the future, they are dinosaurs. So um, that what that what I mean by a full back catalog subscription service is all uh, for now. I guess for the launch, it would be all Nintendo IPs uh, from the NES up till now mm. uh, are available available to immediately play, just like how the Nintendo Online Nintendo Switch Online service works. Uh, with SNES and NES, uh, now you just put the rest on, but make it a subscription service so that you pay monthly uh, too, and you have the ability to play all those great Nintendo IPs mm. like uh, Cubivore. Yeah, on, uh, <laughs> who could forget on the Switch? But <laughs> you know, something like that is. I know that'll never happen. No, um, but it's. I would love that so much. Just the way that they've handled their subscription service so far in the last three <laughs> years makes me think you're not getting anything close to that. Again, this is wildest dreams. Yeah, that is def dreams. definitely a wildest dream one. But people predict that every year that Nintendo will come out with some kind of a streaming service that is likened to Xbox's Game Pass, where it is completely backwards compatible with everything. You're just not going to see it. <laughs> but I love that as a wildest dream. That is something that every Nintendo fan ever does want. I had something similar for um, my wildest dream. It was N64 and GameCube games added to the Nintendo online service. I can't believe that we can't play those yet, but I'm just going to pivot a little bit and say I'd like to see Netflix on Switch. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Neil. It's a gaming console. Nothing else. I know. I, I know that there are other ways and places you can watch Netflix and even Disney Plus to a lesser extent, but just those stream. I'd like to see the other movie streaming services get added to Switch. Mm -hmm. uh, they have YouTube now, right? YouTube's on Switch. Yeah, it's I been believe. on there for a while, yeah. 
Yeah, okay, I wasn't crazy. So yeah, they have YouTube, but for some reason, Netflix is not on Switch yet. And not a gaming thing. I don't think that they'll ever announce that at E3. That would just be something that they say in a random tweet, I think. Uh, but still, I'd like to see it because I have to switch over to my PlayStation 4 whenever I want to watch uh, Netflix. So You have to switch. Hmm. And what about when it comes to game announcements, Mike? Do you have any wildest dream game announcements from Nintendo this year? Yeah, um, it's it's that Zelda... Uh... Or uh, is this my wildest dreams? Oh yeah, this is <laughs> that Zelda will be released before 2022, and by Zelda I mean Breath of the Wild too. There's no way you're getting Skyward Sword this year. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, again, I love that. Wildest dream. Yeah, wildest dream. <laughs> Two Zelda games in one year. Oh, that'd be a dream. Okay, that's a good one. Uh, what about you, Neil? Wildest dream. Uh, I'd love to see another Star Fox game come out. <laughs> uh, that might even be more wild than mine. <laughs> I know, really, when you think about it. Yeah, we haven't seen a Star Fox game since the Wii U, and that one was terrible. We had Starlink, which was technically not a Star Fox game. Star Fox is in it. That's on Switch. But I'd love to see a mainline Star Fox game come to Switch. It has to happen. I want just, yeah. I want something Star Fox and something good that's Star Fox, uh, but I don't. But- Think it's... You might get something Star Fox, but you will not get something good. No, yeah, that's that's more likely. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for crushing my wildest dreams of a new Star Fox game. So... My last wildest dream here mm-hmm. is not game-related. Uh, it is uh, Smash-related, actually. Oh. And it is my wildest dream is to have Master Chief in Smash. Oh. And not because I'm a Halo fan, because I really am not. I never owned an Xbox, uh, but I played Halo at friends' houses, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I would just love that. That would be the cherry on top because the fact that Master Chief, if he got in a game, like in a Nintendo game, mm-hmm. that just would be so crazy. It'd be mind-breaking. And, uh, yeah. I, it's, I, I was going to put Shrek as my wildest <laughs> dream, but that's a little too wild. So yeah. let's... Uh, and Earthworm Jim, obviously, already confirmed. And <laughs> oh, he's a lock-in for sure. He's just, he's just wait. They just need to figure out his move set, and then he's in. So I put someone in between. That's Master Chief. Master Chief. Master Chief would be good, and there is a chance now that that could happen. Now that Minecraft yeah. Steve is there, so that's a Microsoft licensed game. So there, there's a chance that we could see some some more Microsoft franchises in there. Master Chief is, I think, as like M-rated as they'll go. Like I don't think you'll see a Gears of War character come to Smash. No, um, but and my, that's not as uh, universal as well. No, it's not, and you're not going to see like the Forza car or anything. <laughs> <laughs> How about a, a realistic expectation? I'll get started. I mean, just to jump into my realistic expectations here for Nintendo's E3, I think that Nintendo's press conference is going to be Skyward Sword and Splatoon Three, uh, a deep dive into those games. Those are going to be their big games for the holiday of this year, being fall, uh, which is you know after E3, we start to look mm-hmm. at the September releases. So it's going to be Skyward Sword and Splatoon Three as the main focus of the of the conference i have a hunch that xbox game pass might get announced for switch this year that 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 that's that's right in between of a wildest dream and a yeah and a realistic expectation i wasn't 100 percent sure where to put it so i put it in here just just because like i've been trying to look at more xbox coverage recently and microsoft and nintendo they're talking right now and i just have a feeling that this is in the works microsoft want game pass on everything and that means switch it'll never be on playstation but I think Nintendo has a very good chance now that they definitely have a a nice relationship building there. And then my final prediction, my realistic prediction, is that we will see a trailer for Metroid Prime 4 at the end of the the conference. It won't be a gameplay trailer. It will just be an actual CG cutscene of some kind. No gameplay or a release date. It will just be a Metroid Prime (laughs) teaser trailer of some kind. It's been about two or three years since they announced it with nothing. We've seen a little bit of Breath of the Wild 2, I think, of some, some kind of 
animations or I remember seeing a trailer of some kind, but we haven't seen that for Metroid yet. So I think that's overdue. How about you? What about uh, Mike? What are some of your expectations for Nintendo this year? Well, I similarly said that we'll hear news or a trailer for Metroid Prime 4. Uh, they kind of have to, almost mm-hmm. obligated to at this point. Uh, <laughs> I think we're going to see another Breath of the Wild trailer and a bit more footage uh, of the game, maybe some gameplay. Mm-hmm. And because they did say 2022 is, is when they're thinking that's going to come out, um, yep. like early 2022. Mm-hmm. And um, maybe... Uh, we will see Mario Kart 9. I could see them announcing it. I could see them announcing it uh, for for next year. I would uh, love that. I think that's a realistic expectation. Oh, man. I, I haven't even thought about Mario Kart 9. Oh, man. Now <laughs> I want it. Oh, man. Nintendo, if you're listening, that would be great. That would be just the trifecta this year. If we can get Skyward Sword, Splatoon 3, and Mario Kart 9 out between June and December of this year, Nintendo would crush it this holiday season. They they need they need that big game in the holiday and it I'm not sure what it's going to be. It doesn't seem like they have something announced for it. They have a lot of stuff announced for 2022, but they don't have anything announced like a big thing announced for the holiday. So I think Mario Kart 9, I think that's going to be it. That's my that's my prediction. I haven't even heard rumblings of a Mario Kart game, but I love that. But, I hope but you're that's right. how they do it. That's how they do it. They mm. they they always have the no rumblings when they have the the big <laughs> big thing cool. to to show off, so Great, great predictions, Mike. And thank you so much, Jed, for writing in on Patreon. Usually our opening topics are not this long, but we thought it was a good one. And this will be kind of like our E3 predictions segment. It'll be the only one we do. We'll talk about E3 after it's done. Yep. Cool. Mike, but until then, let's talk about some GameCube games, shall we? Let's talk about some GameCube games and some memories of these, not games, but these uh, tracks so to speak. Yes, some <laughs> iconic orange tracks. Very good segue. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 49 of the GameCube Was Cool podcast. New episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. We are the number one GameCube podcast on the internet, and we're here to look back on all 555 North American GameCube games, one by one, sometimes 12 by 12. Visit thegamecubewascool.com to check out all the things we've been working on. The website was developed by our very own Mike Lane. He's... He's driving. <laughs> I'm just driving right now. Just on my orange tracks. Hold on. Love that track. If you'd like to support the show, you can find us on Patreon. We are The GameCube Was Cool. Every dollar helps us grow the show. Supporters at the $5 or above level get their names read in the credits and the option to submit an opening topic for the show. Last week, we covered Kirby and Kirby Air Ride on the Nintendo GameCube. That was a ton of fun. Had a few guests on there to talk about their Kirby memories. <laughs> and and, uh, and TVs allegedly getting smashed. And TVs getting smashed. Not so much uh, with Melee, but actually with Kirby Air Ride is the, uh, the friendship ending game uh, we, we've decided. This week, we are calling the episode our Racing Game Part 2, uh, our sequel to the Part 1. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about Hot Wheels and other fun racing games, I guess you can call it. Mainly, it's going to be about Hot Wheels and a few other racing games. Kids-friendly racing games, mm. I guess you could say. That's yeah. a, maybe a title for it. Okay. But yeah, we're going to talk about some some more racing games. Uh, our first racing episode, episode 14, uh, was released way back in August, I think, of, um, of last year. So please yep. check that out if you haven't already, uh, because... Ali, who was on for that episode, uh, educating us about a lot of these racing games, is going to be coming back on again uh, this week. So we're really excited to have him back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ali's going to be coming on to talk to us about the mechanics of racing games. That's kind of his thing. He loves racing games and talking about the differences between between games and what makes them stand out. We are not experts. No, no. We only play <laughs> Mario Kart and Star Wars pod racing and, and Kirby's Air Ride, apparently. 
But we do play some physical uh, Hot Wheels tracks, Neil. We do. I was going to say, before we have Ali on, Mike, let's talk about our, our history and our memories of Hot Wheels, which is a, a very big toy brand, a toy con- under the umbrella of Mattel. Um, Hot Wheels uh, were huge for in my childhood. The Like you said at the front there, the orange tracks, the iconic orange tracks for the toy. Well, what's your memories of Hot Wheels? Take me back. Well, I'll take you all the way back to May 18th, 1968, because that's uh, wow. not my birthday. Nope. <laughs> but, but it is when Hot Wheels uh, first started, and that's why we're doing this episode uh, around that time mm-hmm. to commemorate their, I can't do math, 53rd anniversary? Yep, that, that checks out. 53rd <laughs> okay. anniversary, yep. There we go. And um, so obviously I was not around for those times, but as a child, uh, I did get a lot of Hot Wheels tracks, a lot of Hot Wheels cars from relatives, uh, you know, for Christmas and got them from friends as well, because Hot Wheels is awesome. And there is nothing better than making tracks in your basement. Mm -hmm. Dude, I spent all of this week, not all of this week, I have been preparing for the show as well, but I skipped watching a lot of gameplay for some of these games just so I could watch Hot Wheels tracks get built in people's houses. That's so satisfying. Some of the tracks that have been made are unbelievable. (laughs) I'm going to look some up right now. That's a good idea. (laughs) Do it right now. There's some tracks that go all throughout people's homes. There are tracks that are like with loop-de-loops that are eight feet tall, like people going off the roofs with these cars. Like some of the insane tricks and, and just, I guess architecture of the tracks is unbelievable like some of the people are probably engineers who make these tracks which are really cool but most people think of the building toys you know the standard lego baby connects uh i don't really hear anybody ever talk about hot wheels as being like a major building toy it's it's always you always hear about the toy collectors the toy collecting aspect of hot wheels where there's tons of people out there who collect hot wheels the cars some of the cars go for upwards of $100,000, which is insane. I was looking at some collectors' price charts and, you know, tens of thousands for some cars. There's one that goes for over, I think it's $150,000. For... So, Neil, I, I'm, I'm watching uh, Epic Track Compilation. Yes, I think that's, I think that's what I watched <laughs> yesterday. And it's, it's, yeah, it's people building these real tracks on, like, a real raceway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I think it's like eight miles of track, which is Jeez. nuts, first of all, yeah. to, to have all that. Mm. But it's so satisfying watching this. Oh, getting the boost. Yes. <laughs> I love when... Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Dude, it just brings back so many memories. The sound of a Hot Wheels car going through that little boost se- section is, <laughs> yeah. is so nostalgic. And hearing Can the... get Hot Wheels ASMR? <laughs> <laughs> I think that would, just, that would just raise my heart rate. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Mike, look away. We have a podcast to do. <laughs> it's It's an amazing toy. And it's still popular to this day. Even when I see Hot Wheels tracks or the Hot Wheels box sets in, you know, toy stores, Walmarts, uh, I still get a little excited and think like, is is today the day that I buy a Hot Wheels track? But never really have. Uh, I have to ask, Mike, do you have any standout Hot Wheels sets from a, a kid that you think back on? Yeah, there's there's one that had uh, I don't remember the names. I wish I did because I probably bought this from a commercial I saw. <laughs> but it it had the blue loops okay. rather than the 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 standard orange loops. Right. Uh, and I think those like had speed boosts in them. Okay. Uh, so that when you would go through this, it would like I guess shoot. I forget what happened, but it would basically shoot the car out a lot faster. Okay. And I think there was like three loops, and it kind of went in this um, uh, figure eight 
uh, style. Okay. And you could the the these tracks were pretty like malleable as most of the Hot Wheels tracks are, so you could do a lot of cool stuff with them. Yeah. And I just remember setting it up in my basement and just like throwing cars in, and they just be going so fast. <laughs> and I'd try and see how many I could crash. That was that was what I would try and do. How many Hot Wheels related accidents do you think have been reported in North America <laughs> in the last fifty three years? There oh some go like like mine. They went really fast. They're like yeah. a bullet coming out of that thing. <laughs> yeah, with especially when you had the speed boost for some of them. And yeah. If you had it in the right spot, and you like, because I would purposely, you know, take off tracks to make them fly, right? Right. And uh, <laughs> and see where they would go, and try and get them into the soft landing spot. And uh, I remember my cat was very, he was very curious in the Hot Wheels tracks. Oh, yeah. oh, he would just God. look at it all day. Yeah. Yeah, I had a dog too. <laughs> like, uh, you remember Sheridan. I, remember I had a dog yeah. and I think we set up the Hot Wheels track too and she would paw at the cars. Yeah. yeah. It's like, what, what, what's, what's going on? Could not understand it. I specifically remember getting for Christmas one year, it was called Octoblast. Not to be confused with Octodad, the famous <laughs> video game. Uh, this was like a Hot Wheels track. It was all green. It wasn't orange. Oh, at, yes. It was, okay. Yeah, it wasn't orange at all. It had eight loop-de-loops on it, or like, you know, they kind of crisscrossed around each other, like eight arms of an octopus, basically. Yes. And the cars would crisscross in the middle on this four-way intersection, basically, and they would smash like crazy. But in the middle was this giant octopus head, so it looked like an octopus that the cars were riding on. Uh, I have vivid memories of, of seeing the trailer on YTV as a kid and asking, begging for it for <laughs> Christmas that one year, and then getting it, and... That was an insane track that if I ever found that today, I don't know how much I'd spend on it, but you could probably get a good good amount of money from me for that track. I don't have it anymore, but it's such a sweet track and I loved it. And Hot Wheels is just ingenious because they, they take the the idea of like train like set building almost and they apply it to to these little toy cars and it just is such a universal appeal because Everyone can do something with it. If you like smashing cars, oh boy, this is this is your this is your game. If you like um, if you like just you know trying to make the go, cars go fast and have in like a cool loop and have it all over the the room or the house, it's it's for you as well, right? So there's there's so much mm-hmm. to take from from these games. I always associated Hot Wheels with roller coaster building. Yeah, yeah, more, more so than than uh, than anything else. It reminded me of like playing Roller Coaster Tycoon, designing my own roller coaster designing your own hot wheels track it definitely reminded me of that um <laughs> really fun toy and uh can't say enough good things about hot wheels yep can't say enough good things uh and we're gonna be covering a couple of hot wheels games today neil we are there's over 30 hot wheels games out there uh, throughout history there's about 32 i could find uh, in total there's actually a hot wheels game coming out later on this year which i'm somewhat excited for actually yeah, Hot Wheels Velocity or something it's called. Uh, yeah, Hot Wheels Velocity. I think that's, that's right. right. Yeah, coming out in September of this year. So I'll be checking that one out. Hopefully it's good. We will see. Hot Wheels games have a have a history of being hit or miss, <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> uh, and Hot Wheels also are incorporated into other video games as well. You can find Hot Wheels in games like Rocket League, Need for Speed. So anywhere where cars are sold, you can probably find Hot Wheel, the Hot Wheels license in there. Uh, I just really want a Hot Wheels track builder as a video game. That's pretty much. Oh my god, that would be insane. <laughs> yeah. That that's what I want. <laughs> I think it exists on iOS, like Apple and uh, phone games. But I want like a console, like a AAA made by EA or whatever, like Ubisoft Hot Wheels game. That'd be really sweet. But Mike, let's talk mm. about some of the GameCube Hot Wheels games that we have in our uh, in our backlog here of GameCube games. But first, let's introduce Ali to the show, shall we? Okay, and joining us now to the show is a racing expert, uh, Ali, who's been on a couple of racing episodes past. And Ali, we have a question for you to start the show, and it is, were you the kid who makes ridiculously long, complicated Hot Wheels tracks in their basement, or... 
Were you like me and all you wanted to do is smash two cards together? I think like a bit of both because <laughs> I would make really long tracks with like jumps at the end. So they would be facing each other and then the cars would crash into each other, hopefully, <laughs> if you time it just right. <laughs> oh, that's such a satisfying feeling when they do, like when you time it so right and they just like when you time it so right. nose to oh, nose, yeah. terrible collision, everyone dead. Also, every time, or not every time, this time when you said racing expert, you paused like really long on the race and I was like, is he about to say we have a racist? <laughs> <laughs> I was very unsure. Expert on racism, both giving it out yes. and receiving it. Yeah, both actually. <laughs> He's a, he also knows a lot about cars too, which is a great yep. combination. And speaking of cars, of course, um, we have our uh, racing games on this episode. And the first uh, series that we're going to talk about is the Hot Wheels series. Neil, you want to introduce those two games? The first game on the list for today is Hot Wheels Velocity X. It's also known as Hot Wheels Velocity X Maximum Justice on the PlayStation 2. This was released on November 12, 2002. It's developed by Beyond Games, published by THQ. It's also on PlayStation 2, PC, and the Game Boy Advance. It's around $35 today and rates about a 4 out of 10, which is brutal. And then we have Hot Wheels World Race, which was released on October 31st, Halloween, on uh, in 2003 this one's developed by climax brighton i think i'm saying that right also published by thq it's on ps2 windows and game boy advance a little more expensive at 50 dollars, and rates a little better with five out of ten both of these games are uh not well critically received um i mean they look fine i guess it looks like a lot of fun honestly yeah. i i was a little surprised i think i think the critical score is based on just the fact that there's not a whole lot going on in these games other than the race mm -hmm. i think i think the critical score is also based on what was available at the time sure yeah. you they they were competing with a lot of good racers especially back then some some people still go back to this era of gaming for mm -hmm. their racing needs because mm -hmm. you know you have your burnouts you have your gran turismos you have your project gotham racing need like it's speed. it's re need for speeds yeah it's really hard to compete yeah when you're just coming out with all right this is a good game <laughs> that, that was what i was kind of confused with when i was watching gameplay for both of these games is that they look like that they're trying to copy like a need for speed or a burnout or just one of those kind of you know fast car roaring engine racing games and and even vehicular combat with uh, Hot Wheels Velocity X. I don't know why that they were trying to lead into the market of the Need for Speed and the, the Burnout uh, fans when they could have. They should have just made a Hot Wheels game, like Hot Wheels Toys, which Mike and I t talked a ton about at the front of the episode. I don't know why they didn't just try and make something a little more true to the, the toy as opposed to making something a little edgy. And for older, I would say boys, uh, if I'm being correct, like just teenage. It looks like they were trying to target like teenage boys, which was kind of an sure. interesting market to go after. Uh, so before 2001, most Hot Wheel games were made with tracks that were actually, you know, in real life. So you could create those tracks in real life. Sweet. But from 2001 all the way to 2017, they started to go more like quote unquote realistic and futuristic for some reason. Mm -hmm. A lot of the games ended up having car combat elements. It wasn't just Velocity X. It was a lot of them. Uh, and... I know they're fans of these games, but personally, I just found them very middle of the pack. In 2017, though, we finally got a glimpse of, like, actual Hot Wheels racing again. And surprisingly, it was... Do you guys know Forza Horizon? Yep. Yes. Oh, yeah. Of course. Yeah. So Forza Horizon 3 had a DLC for Hot Wheels. And the tracks in it were just made of, you know, Hot Wheel track parts. 
that you could buy in real life and make them. The cars were obviously real life cars, but that's okay. I can give them a pass. Mm -hmm. And there would be these winding tracks that would go all the way high up into the sky and then back down. And then recently, just I think maybe last month, we got a glimpse of what the next standalone Hot Wheel game is going to be. Mm -hmm. And it looks really fun. It looks dope. And it's, I'm looking at this. Yeah. I'm looking at this Forza game right now. This looks incredible. Like this is this is what <laughs> I want from a Hot Wheels yeah. game. Like looking at the GameCube Hot Wheels games, they just look like racing games with the Hot Wheels stickers on the sides. The Hot Wheels game coming out later on this year looks incredible as well. Uh, like it looks fast. Yeah, it looks so good. And if you, uh, there's a in the trailer, there is a part like um, someone probably commented it on YouTube trailers, but where you can jump and you can completely skip part of the track and land way ahead sweet if you time it just right and they allow it they're showing like in the trailer because they are showing hey this is complete freedom like this is not we're not gonna hold, hold you back no like force fields on the track or anything right i was talking about that i forget what episode and what game we were talking about that neil it might have been the last racing episode <laughs> but i remember that i said that i really want a game that allows me to jump ahead in cool ways and like if i'm skilled enough to be able to hit those jumps mm -hmm. and make it you know pass other people uh I, like let me do that you know it's like mario 64 when you're racing the penguin i was gonna say i was gonna say <laughs> mario 64 uh mario kart 64 sorry you could do that on certain courses i think rainbow road might have let you, you do that right? yeah i was gonna say it. rainbow road like let you skip the entire yeah. thing if you yeah yeah but I, I was so hard to do it was almost impossible yeah. you had to time it just right you had to like oh, it was almost it was basically chance and yeah. i think there's even bits of that in like crash team racing it does add a bit of i mean if you can time it every single time it makes it just not fun because if you play against somebody who knows how to do it you're just going to lose every single time but i mean to be fair that's with every game right? yeah i suppose so i don't like it when games make it impossible to skip ahead i think that shortcuts in racing games make it way more exciting and way more interesting and also in incorporate that that i guess just possibility of screwing up and being just like if you try to go for the shortcut and if you fail at it then you like get put way behind i think that that's that's good but we'll, we'll see especially if it's an arcade racer mm -hmm. right like you want exactly like what you said that you want those shortcuts mm -hmm. but if it's a realistic one maybe not so much because you know so talking about hot wheels velocity the one thing i gotta point out is the large amount of time and effort that was dedicated to, I guess, like a story yeah. in this and the animations yeah. of like the people, yep. like what's what's going on there? So before I get to that, <laughs> I'll just begin with saying this thing was published by THQ and developed by Beyond Games. Uh, Beyond Games, which is an unfitting name because after this, they did not go beyond with any <laughs> other games. Uh, they <laughs> they kind of went defunct. Other games they made were Motor Mayhem for the PS2, Redline, Ultra Vortech. They're old, like, racing slash battle games. Mm -hmm. So they were kind of perfect for the choice. It's just, this wasn't going to sell well no. anyways, in my opinion. Yeah. But in terms of story, they for some reason, the entire Hot Wheels, I guess, quote-unquote universe, <laughs> was pushing this futuristic, I'm too cool for school, yeah. anime, but Western style mm -hmm. around this era. So... A lot. They had some shows, they had movies, and then games tied into this too. Velocity X somehow had an original story, mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> uh, which was not you know expected. It's kind of like the reason I would suggest if anyone does want to play it, they played for the story. It's kind of cheesy good, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, kind of like the what was it Dark Summit or one of those games. Yeah. 
like those like the bad snowboarding games uh, that that for whatever reason have a very in-depth story <laughs> yeah they're trying to have a plot and make something i guess they're trying to make a franchise out of it and this was around the beginning of when hot wheels was like you said ali putting out movies and tv shows like the next game that came out a year later hot wheels world race is based around the television series with the same name so they were starting to try and i think they were just trying to get into the movie and tv show market like what lego has done a, a little too much i think like lego has like a a billion movies now not not like the lego movie and the batman movie but like actual like straight to tv straight to vhs mm-hmm. or dvd or netflix lego movies i think hot wheels is trying to cash in on that too because with with yeah. our generation they went really hard with it though yeah. because the main character's name is max justice <laughs> uh and the rival's name is nitro burn oh, spelled no. with a b-y-r-n-e <laughs> and it open it literally opens with i'm not your average 17 year old high schooler mm. I race illegally on the streets Whoa. at night. Someone should report what a, that. What a rebel. Someone should report that, child. <laughs> a, so, I mean, someone really should, like, you know, a lot of games push the legal racing aspect. This one pushed the legal racing and underage racing, so... The plot is a little wacky, but it, it's it's wacky in a, in a funny way. I don't know if I'd go out and spend 35 yeah. bucks on the game, though. I think I would spend, like, 10 <laughs> if I could find it. Yeah, probably yeah. about right. Yeah. The gameplay is so I'll I guess I'll talk about the gameplay and everything sure. associated with that. The music in the game is extremely generic yes. and unmemorable. The best thing I can say about it is it's unoffensive, like elevator jazz. Like it's just <laughs> it's just it's there. serviceable. Yeah. Yeah, it's there. Uh <clears throat> the gameplay for the most part is actually not bad. There's just no real sense of speed mm. at all. There's no like blur and yeah. the cars kind of feel very light, which it, that's a good thing because it's a Hot Wheels game. So cars should right. probably feel right, light. There's five main modes, adventure. This is where the story takes you through the other four modes. Uh, challenge mode, which is just time trial drag race, which is weird because it's just sprint racing. I don't know why it was called <laughs> drag race. It's, you know, with corners and everything. Yeah. And then <clears throat> there's... Also, battle, like, you can pick up the weapons, but if you pick up the turbo, you can just spam that the entire race and win. It's, it's pretty <laughs> yeah, It's like getting mushrooms in Mario Kart then. Basically, yeah. yeah. So, <clears throat> but this one is, like, forever mushroom. Like, if you pick it up once and you don't pick up any other weapons, you can just hold the button the entire race and you're <laughs> boosting. For a lot of these games also did not have... So, you know how you can use uh, the right trigger and left trigger for many racing games? A lot of these games that we're covering, for some reason, didn't have analog triggers. Yeah. So, they had just digital. So, you would just press it and go. It wouldn't sense the amount of pressure and mm. control your brake or acceleration that way. And Burnout, I believe, did. I think Burnout 2 did. Yeah, Burnout did. Um, this one does not. Mm-hmm. Which That's not too, fine, that's whatever, not too surprising. Right? I, I feel I feel a yeah. lot of it too was the fact that because GameCube did have those analog um, controllers and or analog triggers and other consoles didn't you know they probably didn't want to bother. Uh, That's a good point. Like yeah. Making it for for GameCube, they knew like you said before they knew this game wasn't going to be a, a hot seller. This was you know classic THQ as they do they pump out these mediocre games uh, that are from franchises that they hope yep. will hit and sometimes and, they do and the market and, and the market that they're going after is not going to notice that there's no analog triggers and that there's no like way to exactly. toggle the boost and the acceleration like kids just want to go and like, go and stop those are the only two speeds you really need for a game <laughs> like this 
Thankfully, it did let you change your configuration though. So if you wanted to change um, like control configuration, it gave you pre-made ones, but you could do it and you could do it in the middle of the race as well. Mm -hmm. So at least there's that. Last thing, there is a unique feature only available to GameCube for this mm -hmm. game. You can unlock three extra cars for the GameCube version by pairing the Game Boy Advance version of the game. That's right. On the PS2 and PC, you get those three cars without having to buy another console <laughs> version of the game. So, That's so you know, stupid. so GameCube uh, owners, GameCube owners actually get screwed over by this. Yeah, oh, yeah, they get screwed over. Uh, it hard. seems like basically every game that used the Game Boy Advance in some way, the the, the owner gets screwed over. <laughs> yeah, that, that's yeah, that a, that's probably right. the biggest thing I've learned from this podcast. Yeah, it's it's true. It's so sad. That's ridiculous. I think that this game might have done slightly better if you had just packed this game in with a, a Hot Wheels set, like. Yeah, that's actually a good point. That's that would have been sick. Like just a hundred dollars, you yep. get like a, a basic track, two cars. One, what the two cars are from the game. You get the game thrown in. It's it's probably a it can't be a sixty dollar game. This game had to have been forty bucks when it came out. <laughs> oh, don't say that. <laughs> you never know, dude. That's the thing. I, I, it probably was a full price game, but like you, you probably could have gotten away with packing this game in with a Hot Wheels set for a hundred bucks. You know, right around Christmas time, bundle it in. It's November twelfth. Yeah. It's like a Black Friday deal. Would have been sick if you just like got a Hot Wheels track, two cars, and a game thrown in for. I guess you also have to own a GameCube or maybe the PS two versions there too. That would have been kind of fun. Like toys, like it would have been like a pre Toys to Life idea sort of thing. Even though the game doesn't work with the track in any way, it would have been kind of a neat companion piece to go along with it. So I'm just I'm just looking up the prices. Uh, yeah, it was a full price, uh, sixty bucks. Jeez. <laughs> I told you. Well, yeah, TH <laughs> THQ are going to get what they can get, I suppose. Yeah. Um, yep, of course. I did, however, like the look of Hot Wheels World Race a little bit more. It looked a bit more like an F-Zero game, actually. This game looked a little better. It It, it is a little newer, I guess. It came out, uh, what, a year later than Hot Wheels of Lost So it, was, yeah. it is definitely better. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I, I'm going to get into it. Um, you guys can finish first. Sorry. Sure. I mean, I was looking at it, and I, I just felt like it. I had a little bit more sense of speed in this one. Like, it, I, I mm -hmm. felt like it had a bit more weight to it. The cars felt like they were actually moving. And like I said, it felt a bit more like an F-Zero game. It still felt like a futuristic kind of racer and didn't feel like it was Hot Wheels at all, except for the obvious, like, Hot Wheels signage. And the, again, kind of awkward cutscenes in between to make you feel like you're in a, mm -hmm. a an edgy sort of. I guess that's what the TV series was going after, like edgy teens racing uh, cool cars, and and the animation was not great. Again, gave me reboot vibes from like the late '90s kind of animation, which <laughs> I loved reboot, but uh, it's just awkward to watch in a video game what that's supposed to be taken yeah. somewhat seriously. And uh, it's kind of cool that this game came out around the 35th anniversary of the Hot Wheels franchise, and they even released 35 Hot Wheels toy automobiles that were released in conjunction with the series. So they had like a pretty big promotional push for Hot Wheels uh, for the 35th anniversary yeah. in 2003. And with the movie movie that ties in with this one is called Highway 35, I think. Yeah. Like Hot Wheels Highway 35. So this is actually a movie tie-in game, technically. Yeah, yeah, technically a movie tie-in. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, funnily enough, I... When I was playing it, I didn't find any clips from the movie or any clips at all, really. So the even though it's a tie-in, it, it other than skins and how the cars look, there's no actual like clips, video clips, CGI clips, whatever, actually tying into the 
movie or the series. Wow. I, I got to say the UI overall in this game is way better. Uh, even just like the menu system when you're actually like the HUD, everything feels a lot more Hot Wheels-esque mm. uh, where the, the the Velocity X really like that just felt like the most generic racing UI I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. So yeah. at least yeah. this one was a little more, like you said, felt like I had some speed, some mm-hmm. um, yep. perception of speed and just so, a little closer to Hot Wheels, mm-hmm. but still. The music in this game is pretty much exactly as the last sure. one. It's just very serviceable. <laughs> but like you guys said, so playing this, gameplay is much better. The sense of speed, like Neil said, mm-hmm. is here. Mm-hmm. And just like before, so in the game before, you could do stunts as well. In this one, you can do as well. But the one before, they didn't really serve any purpose. In this one, if you do stunts, you actually build up nitro. Ooh. And then you can use that nitro to, you know, of course, speed off. Yeah, see that makes sense. Yes. That that really should have. I don't know why that wasn't in the previous game. I that's that seems like a missed opportunity. The one before this one, Velocity X, felt a little too easy. This one feels a little too hard, but in a good way, because you know it's targeted as child uh, at children, yet it's still difficult. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a good thing. There's a time trial race mode and a tournament mode. Uh, no battle mode, no weapons, thankfully. <laughs> There's a challenge mode which serves as the game's tutorial. Um, and your main way of like unlocking things is through tournament. Mm-hmm. It's visually a lot prettier as well as you guys probably noticed. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I I got serious deja vu vibes um, when I saw the I don't know what like the actual car name is, but it's a purple car and it's got the little like engine you know sticking out uh, at the at in, in out of the hood. Sure. And it's kind of like a hot rod esque. Mm-hmm. And I had that exact Hot Wheel. Uh, growing up oh nice yeah. and so i just got i got like whoa like some some crazy nostalgia right there i just wanted to see that's that. always that's always awesome <laughs> just like like visions of my basement yeah that's, <laughs> yeah. that's really cool so there's also a lot more cars in this yeah. one uh and they are varied so if you pick a different car it does feel different to drive okay okay that's good which is always very welcome because the one previously it didn't matter if you picked a pickup truck or a racing car it they both felt the oh, exact I, same. I, I hate that in racing yeah. games. I much prefer when they have some feel, like different feel to them. And I always compare this type of racer to like a futuristic racing game. And usually when you get like the first car or vehicle that you get in those games, like they're usually good. But then there's like other cars or vehicles that like slide around way too much. There's some that don't move at all. Like they're so slow. And then you find yeah. like everybody has their favorite car, their favorite like ship in F-Zero that like no one else can play with. But for some reason you can. And I really like that. I really like that in these types of games. Like you, you can't even remember the name of the car or the ship that you drive. But you just know based on the color and the look of it that that's the one that you can use. It like it drifts the best, it breaks the best, it just feels right. And when when racing games do come out and like all cars or vehicles in the game are basically the same and, and no variation to them, that's especially in twenty twenty one. That's almost unthinkable now. But at one yep. point it was like it was just oh what color car are you using because they're all the same. <laughs> that's yeah. it. So the I do want to talk about the development just a bit, not the actual development itself, but everything surrounding it. Sure. I guess. Yeah. Also published by THQ, mm-hmm. but developed by a division of Disney called Climax Studios. Uh-huh. Um, they later went on to be renamed Black uh, Blackrock Studios, and then they were shut down in 2011. Uh, 300 plus employees went on to make four separate studios. I'm not gonna name them, but some of the studios made some really good games. The final two games the studio made are Pure and Split Second. 
Pure is a really good racer for ATVs. Yeah, that's right. And Split Second might be one of the best action-oriented racers ever made. It is a fantastic game if you guys haven't played it. Gimmick is that you and your opponents can make the levels its levels themselves attack one another. This can include like making a Boeing 747 crash onto the track <laughs> and you having to figure out the perfect path to avoid the destruction. Wow. Oh my god. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. It That's is cool. such a amazing game. Uh, and I do think it's available for PC as well so you don't need, you know, a specific console to play. Yeah, th this was a more modern quote-unquote modern gen game like when we were in high school. It was PS3, yeah. Xbox, 360 on live and yeah windows and psp of all things but yeah if you want to play a hot wheels game i would suggest world world race over velocity x for gameplay but velocity x for just cheesy stuff <laughs> but you can just watch that on youtube i would suggest that is probably a much better thing because yeah. the voice acting is actually pretty good yeah. too in all honesty. yeah I, I was gonna say i noticed that too again which kind of begs the question like why did you put money and time into doing that instead of making the game better yeah, <laughs> right it's very strange but anyways yeah that's that's uh i think that's all we have for hot wheels let's move on to the next game uh neil you want to do auto modelista sure all right let's go with auto modelista which was released on september 30th 2003 the game was developed by capcom production studio one it's published by capcom as well it's also on xbox and ps2 uh, the game, this game is very expensive on the GameCube, ranging from $200 to $300 on eBay, depending on the condition, if it's sealed, if it has the manual, mm -hmm. etc. Uh, the GameCube version doesn't rate super well. It's about a 6 out of 10 compared to the other versions, the PS2 and Xbox, which do a little better with 7 and 8s. This game is technically a port of the PS2 version, which came out earlier in the year, back in March. So about, uh, I guess, what how, what's my math here? About five months removed, six months removed? Came out a bit yeah, later. and the PS2 one was was a different kind of game that actually did terribly, mm -hmm. uh, and that was the reason that they wanted to kind of retool it, bring it to the GameCube in a new format. I think it's called US Tuned is technically the, the right. new format, and they basically made it a lot better. They changed everything up, and this is a cell shaded game, mm -hmm. uh, the uh, the only cell shaded racing game that I'm aware of. As far as I know, same. Yeah, yeah. this was probably the most interesting game that I've seen in a while that I had never heard about. Uh, and I'm have I'm assuming either of you hadn't heard about this game before. Oh, I heard about it. I heard about I knew about it before. Um, I never got to play it until now. But I did hear about it for quite a long time, and I wanted to check it out for quite a while. So too. it is basically, this, the idea of it is Gran Turismo, if you want to think of it like that. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's, yeah, cell shaded, as we said, and the original game didn't uh, do well commercially. Uh, and it's funny because the new game, the new version of it uh, has kind of the Dodge Viper on the front. Uh, right. And it was very, uh, very focused on the Dodge Viper as like their, their main. Yeah, I was trying to market to US a yes. lot with that. Uh, and it's funny, I watched a lot of videos on this game and they were very, very polarizing reviews. I'm not sure if you guys got the same yep. thing. Mm -hmm. um, our friend of the show, RetroWolf88, Neil, uh, he uh, posted a video about this game saying that it almost made him quit the GameCube. He hated this oh my God. so much. He hated playing it. He hated the controls. He thought it was too light, too airy, and uh, just had a horrible time with it. While other people uh, said that this is the best racer on the GameCube. So uh, I was really... <laughs> 
this made me really curious wow. to see why there's such a huge like difference in opinions on this game. Yeah, the ratings do range crazily. Like I'm just looking on <laughs> on uh, Wikipedia right now. Like Edge magazine gives it a four out of ten, EGM five eight three, and then there's outlets like GameZone which gave it an eight point nine out of ten. Uh, like IGN gave it a seven out of ten on. P- I'm looking at the PS2 ratings because a lot of the the video game publications of the time didn't review the GameCube version, I guess because it, it came out earlier on PS2, so they just reviewed that one and then left it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's there's a huge range of... This is definitely a divisive racing game, and there aren't too many of those I, I can't no. think of. Uh, so part of the reason why the ratings might be different for the consoles also is because the US-tuned version fundamentally changed the handling of the cars. Yes. And on top of that, it added a lot more content that wasn't there before. So extra tracks, mm-hmm. some extra cars, some extra tuning parts. But the main thing really is it changed the handling. I don't know how it handled before, but from what I played, um, I'm, I am still need to get into the notes, but what I played, it was honestly pretty fun. The handling, it is light, but it is that like almost perfect mix of arcade and simulation. Yeah. And it won yeah. in E3 of 2002. Mike and I talked about E3 of 2021 at the start of this episode. It won best racing game in 2002. I don't know what it was up against. I'll have to check and see. But that, I mean, it had its fans. It had, it had a following clearly. And I'm noticing here that, uh, like I said, it was it was developed by Capcom, and they actually this was kind of more of a test for the PlayStation 2. The PlayStation 2 had they wanted to make network fo- focused games, so like games I guess that you could play online. Yeah. And they were trying they basically tried to flood the market with three network focused games the other two being monster hunter and resident evil outbreak and they were just trying to basically prove the concept of this network feature and try and make one of the but that was only for ps2 yeah that was only for ps2 and and they were trying to make one of them become a million seller so they're basically putting out three games trying to just flood the market and make this concept work and monster hunter and and resident evil both eventually became million sellers and auto modelista unfortunately i don't think did The I just will have two things that I wanna I wanna say and you can have the floor, Ali, because I know you have some great notes on this. Uh, uh, this game has rain physics, which were unheard of during this era of racers. Yep. Uh, they actually did the physics right. Like if you are on a rain track and you go under a tunnel, the physics completely change. Uh, and then when you go back out, it's back to the rain slippery slide, like slip and slide. So uh, I thought that was yep. really really cool. Mm. And Neil, this one's for you. The announcer who says, like, finish, uh, it's like third place, all that stuff. Yeah. I am 99% sure he's the F-Zero announcer. Okay. That guy had some, <laughs> that guy was working hard in the 2000s, man. Probably It sounds is. exactly the same. I'm so on I was it. like, uh, <laughs> yeah, you check it out. And by, and by the way, before we, before Ali has the floor, I just wanted to say that the, the other racing games of 2002 that Auto Modelista was up against was, we I forgot to mention, Hot Wheels Velocity X came out in 2002. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, who could forget Ants Extreme Racing from the hit <laughs> DreamWorks film Ants. So tough competition is what you're saying, y'all. It was a I mean, Burnout <laughs> Two also came out that year, so it did, okay. So like, one good game. Yeah, <laughs> in all seriousness, it had to go up against Burnout Two, Point of Impact. So wow, that's actually really impressive. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, Ali, take it away. Talk to us about Auto Modelista. I hope we're saying that right. Yeah, I think so. Okay, you are. Cool. Yeah. So we begin with the name itself. Modelista is a Spanish word that translates to model maker or dressmaker or modeler. So the game is really auto modeler which does like a really good job in defining what you can do in the game the customization options are honestly like they seem oh yeah Mm -hmm. 
the cars look very close to the real life counterparts, which is pretty important to most people who are playing racing games, including myself. There is a surprising amount of cars available in the game. The modifications are numerous and they're nuanced. So you can customize the exterior with like body kits, spoilers, rims, apply pre-made decals. And the craziest part is when you change the color of the car, you can change the color on different parts of the mm. body. Yeah. So if you want to change just your trunk to be like bright pink, you can. <laughs> <laughs> and this is all just visual. The customizations exist to the same degree under the hood. Mm. And... As you said, this was supposed to be a million unit seller or hopefully was supposed to be one of them. Mm -hmm. Because of that, the talent involved in this is kind of like an all-star cast. Mm -hmm. So the director is the most well-known in here, Hideki Itsuno, uh, the director of Power Stone 1 and 2, Captain, uh, Capcom versus SNK, but most importantly, the Devil May Cry series. Oh, okay. interesting. Yeah, yeah. Then we have the producer, who also produced Marvel vs. Capcom Two, Super Street Fighter Two, Legend of Zelda: a Link to the Past, what? Wow, Resident <laughs> Evil Three what? Remake, and more. Yeah, Yoshihiro Su uh, Sudo. The four designers in between them have experience on Resident Evil games, Marvel vs. Capcom Two, Marvel vs. Capcom Three, Street Fighter games, wow. Dead Rising, and more. Wow. Uh, the two composers are also very legendary. <laughs> they, between them, they've worked on Street Fighter 2, Super Smash, Wii U, 3DS, and Ultimate, wow. Beautiful Joe, Devil May Cry, Final Fantasy 15, and a lot more. <laughs> wow. So this game was very much in good hands, yeah. basically. Um, sad thing, a year later, Capcom did release uh, another racing game called Group S Challenge. I don't know if you know if you guys know about this one. No, no. Uh, after this, they did not attempt racing ever again, even to this day. So these two games did so poorly that they did not even attempt to <laughs> that, go back into. That was it. one of the things when I was, you know, putting this this list together. Uh, for this uh, for this week, uh, seeing all the games and seeing the developers and publishers, I was I was kind of taken aback. I was like, "Whoa, Capcom made a, a racing game!" I know, like, right? <laughs> yeah, like, and you think about Capcom nowadays, like they're on top of the world, like the gaming world right now. With you know, Resident Evil Eight just came out last week, and and like Monster Hunter seems to be selling millions of copies with every iteration, and like uh, they yep. do Devil May Cry, right? That's Capcom. Devil May Cry? Yeah. 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 yeah, that's so. And that's still selling really well. That's yeah. still selling really well. It's just interesting that they've gone back to these three and like it's like they, they must have like somebody around that could probably do an auto modelista too, but I, I don't know if they'll go back to it now. It'd be sweet if they did. Like this game looks I mean it looks it, beautiful. It really like just, just to have this in H D would be great. This, I don't know how it yep. again, I don't know how it plays like So first off, right off the bat it lets you do something that no other game on this list does custom key bindings so you can mm. like there's no there's layouts as well but you can customize what each and every button does which is awesome in my opinion the game also does something kind of weird that no other racer i've ever played does when you turn hard the wheel in the car basically is stuck in that position so you know when you're racing you turn with the analog stick mm -hmm. and then when you bring the analog stick back to the middle the car goes straight. Right. Yeah. In this one, when you bring it back to the middle, the car still is on the turn. Oh. Like, it's just... Yeah, so you have to actually turn... Like, let's say you're turned left. You have to turn right to actually make it go hmm. 
right down the line. So the car doesn't like auto correct itself the way that actual auto cars its, do. Actual cars, exactly. Mm -hmm. um, in all honesty, it's actually kind of good for long turns because you don't have to keep like fidgeting with the you know mm -hmm. analog stick. But for sharp turns, it's it kind of gets a little difficult. Yeah. I can yeah. tell. There's uh, <laughs> there's arcade mode, time attack, two-player versus mode, and a career mode uh, called Garage Life. The career mode is where you play most of the game. You unlock parts through it, um, and like there's just so much you can do. There's no money in the game, so mm. what you unlock, you can equip right away, and you can drive right away. It's kind of a double-edged sword, though, because some of the best cars are unlocked right from the get-go. Mm -hmm. And if you pick them, you are basically just destroying the competition. It's also neat that you can you can unlock stickers in the game too. Or I don't know if they all come unlocked, but I'm just looking at them right now. And the stickers are of yeah. other Capcom franchises like Dante from yep. Devil May Cry oh, and, sick. And, and Mega Man stickers. So like, there's that type of customizable... It's almost like a Mario Kart game, but like for Capcom, like it's Capcom's Mario yep. Kart, almost like with the stickers, at least it's just kind of little uh, Easter eggs, I guess, to the other games. I'm just enjoying watching this game. This game looks so cool to watch. And, and it is maybe the amazing. most beautiful game on the GameCube. It's in the top five. Like I think so, too. Like the at night, like the night races are amazing. Yeah. So funny you say that, even though it doesn't have the networking capabilities on GameCube, People do say that it is the best-looking version mm. on GameCube. It's just, like, I, I don't know how they made it look so good, <laughs> like, <laughs> <Yeah>. honestly. <laughs> so, in terms of actually playing it and handling the cars and everything, you can tune them to have either more acceleration, more uh, max speed. You can tune them to have more drifty controls or more grippy. Mm -hmm. I like maximum acceleration and max grip, and... Honestly, they it's, like I said, very middle of the pack. Have you guys ever played Need for Speed Hot Pursuit? Yes, yeah. I think that's the one I've okay. played, yeah. Yeah, that's, I'd say that's probably the most popular one. Yeah. Yeah, the one that was released, I think, in 2010. Yeah, something like that. Sounds right. Yeah, and where you would drift. It's kind of like that, honestly, where you would just kind of lightly drift into a turn you would still need to break here and there, and then you would drift out of it. Even on grip, you would still drift a little, but yeah. honestly, it's kind of the style that after playing two or three races, I really love. <laughs> it's uh, really fun to play. Sure, it's light, but it's trying to be in the middle of simulation and arcade. It's not all the way arcade, but right. it's not all the way simulation. It's very different to what it was out there, and it was still refined in its own way. Mm -hmm. I would not say that the handling is bad in any sort of way it just you just need some practice mm. and some patience and you will get good at the racing aspect of the game now ali i feel like we've never really talked about this but what what where do you stand on the hud like when you're racing this seems like that there's a lot going on on screen with this game you've got the, the speedometer uh the map the lap you're on your total time the record time fastest lap lap time and then the arrows pointing you where to go i just feel like there's a lot going on do you feel like this game is a little cluttered like just so I mean, even maybe... if it is for someone's taste you can turn that off oh okay you can turn a lot of those elements uh in the start menu when you're racing off oh mm. okay nice cool. yeah which okay. again like the customization possibilities this game gave you it, they're amazing that's really rare so, for this era of gaming like yeah. especially yeah. for racers I, mm. I can't think of anything where i was able to 
to, to, to have any customization in terms of, yep. you know, my, my, the moveset, let alone, you know, being able to turn off certain parts of the HUD. I agree that if it's too cluttered, it is kind of a mess, but for me, I need at least a map and my speedometer. That's it. Yeah. But for many people, they want to see the position, all that, right? And you can turn those elements off. Um, there's even an option to turn rubber banding on or off. I don't, hmm. so I'll define what rubber banding is for the audience. Sure. I don't know if you guys know, but it's, let's say you're really ahead of the second place. If rubber, if a game has rubber banding, it will try to make cars behind you come up to the front mm -hmm. or in the opposite if you're really behind the pack, you will suddenly be able to accelerate at ungodly speeds and catch up to the pack. The fact that you can turn that on and off is is really interesting because that's one of those things that you just like assume is built in to a lot of games yep. uh, mm -hmm. or is like... Even now, most games don't allow you to change that yeah. if it's built in or not. Yeah, yeah, because uh, that's one of those things where like, you know, you're like around the playground if you're a kid, it's like, oh, did you know like this this exists in this game? It's like, no, that's not real. I was just so good. <laughs> yeah. I'm just so good. Yeah. There's a just the nuance and the attention to detail in this game is uh, like it's amazing. Even the tutorial. So you're given tutorials through the mail, basically, mm -hmm. in your garage like career life, basically, mm -hmm. and those tutorials actually can tie into real life because they're telling you what the difference is between, let's say, a four-wheel drive to a rear-wheel drive, how the car handles versus wow. how it turns. Right. Those can actually be translated to real life because they're telling you just straight up how this works. That's cool. So, again, the attention to detail, I absolutely love that. We haven't talked about the music yet, mm. but it is so memorable. It's varied as well. Best part is you get to pick what song you want to play before each and every single oh, race. Oh, that's sick. Nice. Oh, my God. That's and it's, orig it's that, original music, too, right? Like this It's isn't... original music, right. yeah. Yeah, and some of the tracks have lyrics in it as well, and they're just fantastic. There's The genre is very, like, genres are very different, too. Oh. You can have rock, jazz, um, hmm. not, not hip-hop, but you can have a lot of different genres. Cool. The downside to this is you'll only hear one song through the entire race, but... Oh, oh well. It like repeats if the race goes any longer? Yeah, exactly. Mm. Um, the visuals are awesome, like we said. Um, it even gives you the option to turn off the anime speed lines if that's bothering you. Yeah. So like, again, it's just so customizable. That's crazy. Wow. I was going to say the anime yeah. speed lines do seem a little excessive at times. That's that I can't you believe You can turn that off? I can't I can't believe that's that's customizable. That's <laughs> yeah. just that's so weird. And and the yeah. art style, we're just going to talk about cell shit again really quick. I feel like at any moment like Spider-Man from Ultimate Spider-Man is going to swing by or Link from Wind Waker is going to roll in yep. or just any one of like these cell shaded games all, when they're done right, they all blend together so seamlessly. Well, let's move on to the next game on our list cuz we still do have a few more to cover. Uh, I don't know if we'll go yep. as in depth uh, as we did with these. <laughs> couple of games but no, definitely we won't. not Don't worry. <laughs> all, right. all right let's go back in time a little bit to april 29th 2003 when we had city racer come out it's also known as downtown run in the pal regions if you're from europe it's developed by ubisoft romania it's published by ubisoft it's also on ps2 windows and there's a mobile version 
on phones. Uh, price today at around $100. Again, rates around a 5 out of 10. We can't seem to break that 7 out of 10 barrier today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, um, now, this one, I think, definitely deserves that 5 out of 10 more than oh, some others. <laughs> this is the most forgettable racing game on the list today. Just like you've, it you've seen be. it. You've seen it before. It's it, it's. It didn't even know what it wanted to be. So like you said, it was named differently in the <clears throat> different regions of the world. Mm-hmm. But... I couldn't find much on development, so no. mostly what I'm about to say is speculation. Sure. The gameplay does not match the North American box art whatsoever. <laughs> I think the marketing for this game was like changed last second to appeal to the Need for Speed Underground fans. This game came out around the same time, so it makes sense. Mm-hmm. It was it. I think it would probably have been like sold better if it was not trying to compete with that, because the gameplay is different enough it, you pick up weapons unlike a need for speed first of all the uh the it's crazy to watch this game too because the difference of graphics between this and automodelista which came out just a couple months later mm-hmm. is like like generational it, it's yep. it's it's pretty crazy uh the the two things i have i really don't have much on this game but the two things i do have are the fact that it's kind of dumb because you don't actually see how much damage you're taking um, because you do take damage in this game and all of a sudden you can just be out of the race uh, because yeah. your car is destroyed even though you don't have any kind of damage meter which I, I don't love uh, you don't even see the car smoking or anything you're just you're just dead oh. <laughs> and uh, the fact that Rayman 3 is advertised that, like on every course it seems like <laughs> <laughs> so because this is Ubisoft and Rayman 3 was coming out I guess uh, that year <laughs> this, this was the era when nobody knew who Ubisoft was even though they were pumping out a lot of almost as many games as they are now nowadays we know Ubisoft for Assassin's Creed being the biggest one and now like Watch Dogs and and other games but they had just these weird misses in the in the GameCube PS2 generation we've covered a few of their games Mike Mm -hmm. and I on the on the show and like none of them are great I don't think that they knew what they wanted to be yet in this generation like right now they're very much about the open world big map uh checkpoint boxes and you know like Far Cries and and Assassin's Creed again that's that's what they are now in this generation they were still leaning into Rayman for for some reason which I don't think Rayman is very good in this generation I think the uh, (laughs) Rayman Legends and Origins games are fantastic but I didn't. I didn't really care for these ones in, in in this generation. But the only really like the point that I made about City Racer was it was clearly trying to catch the wave of the Need for Speed games of the early two thousands, which like we saw this with World War Two shooters. Like those were flooded too, and I think that the the whole city racing game genre was in that mix as well of just games coming out every other second um but it just felt like that this game was trying to be a driving sim as well as like an arcadey racer and it did neither right it was trying to be so many things there's so many game modes here quick race time attack championship countdown last man standing chase sudden death and bet that's way too many game modes Mm -hmm. which the first of all they don't explain what exactly you do they just kind of put you in it and you have to do it uh the gameplay is very vanilla the cars I have almost no momentum to them, and they're so light. And yeah. they're licensed cars too, so, aren't they? In this game, yeah, like they're all yeah. licensed. Yeah, they're li- yeah. and they don't look anything like their real life <laughs> yeah. counterparts, which is kind of a problem in my Again, opinion. Again, where Automodelistas looks like and, identical to it, you know, you have these that just yeah, not not a great look, but yeah, not not a great game. Like you said, very vanilla. I don't have anything else to say, Ali. You have anything else? I think there's only one music track in the entire game. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like I. Any mode I played, it was that same exact thing. And secondly, the one thing it does have in uh, going for it, which also Automodelista had, I forgot to mention, 
the shoulder buttons are actually pressure sensitive. Oh, so there you go. there's that. Very nice. I, but that's it. Of course, Automata Lista had it. That's that's so. Of that's, course, that it wasn't even. Yeah, <laughs> I just just assumed it's so detailed in that in that that way. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. All right. Cool. What's the let's next move, one, Neil? Let's move on to a great game, in my opinion, which was Tonka Rescue Patrol, which was released on November eighteenth, two thousand and three. This game was developed by Lucky Chicken Games. We'll never hear from them again. <laughs> this is published by nope. Take Two Licensing and TDK. It's a GameCube exclusive, believe it or not. It's around twenty dollars today and rates about a six out of ten. Uh, this game is great for kids under the age of eight, and that's about it. Now, Neil, um, would you call this the GTA Five of Tonka games? I would. I personally would. I think that I think that this fits right in with the GTA universe. I would call this the Dark Souls of Tonka <laughs> games. Okay. Oh, very good. Very good. Mm. Do you guys know much about Tonka trucks? Like, did you guys? I'm, I don't want to talk about the game. I just want to talk about Tonka trucks. <laughs> Uh, I I never got into Tonka trucks. That was just uh, for whatever reason, never for me. Whose idea was it to to make like ten to fifteen pound toys made of metal for children? Yeah, we, we had these toys in our garage as kids, Mike. I don't yeah. know if you remember this, but we had a sandbox in our backyard too. And I think I clubbed my sister over the head with a few of these when we were younger. <laughs> oh like they God. were they were weapons. <laughs> <laughs> they were very sandbox. Uh, cars like I, I could see that that makes sense they could make toys out of steel for children and parents <laughs> bought them and they lasted because they lasted forever they lasted. yeah they were really good quality I, I will give them that they weren't for I racing I never had a Tonka uh, truck but damn <laughs> I, I kind of want one maybe they were they were practically weapons <laughs> <laughs> honestly sounds like it so for the sake of the episode I did play this game for like oh, wow. 10 minutes okay uh, there's three buttons that's it That Sweet. there's uh, there's so many corners cut. Like when you go into a menu to exit out of it, you have to press start and go to exit. Mm-hmm. There's no back button for some reason. Uh, the three buttons, that's it. You go into controller configuration. That's what it says. Mm-hmm. It doesn't let you configure anything. Just this is what you get. <laughs> this is the display. Go play the game. Okay. It has voice acting, surprisingly. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty much it for the positives. Yeah. I mean, I think I had a Tonka truck game um for the pc because i think it came in the cereal box if i remember correctly i think i have the same game i was gonna say i've seen a, t- <laughs> a pc tonka game somewhere and like yeah. everybody had that one I they were trying I played it oh you know what it might have been search and rescue i'm looking hmm. up things right now it could have been that one uh i'll have okay. to do some more digging but I, oh it definitely was oh my Ooh. god it was yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah it's tonka game not much to say um no. Want to move on? <laughs> yes, I do. Yep. <laughs> Sounds good. Let's move on to XGRA, which stands for Extreme G Racing Association, which was released on November 24th. They had the audacity of coming out six days after Tonka Rescue Patrol 2003. <laughs> this was developed by Acclaim Studios in mm. Cheltenham. I'm not sure where exactly that is. Probably England. And published by Acclaim Entertainment. This is also on Xbox and PS2. The game is around $40 today on GameCube, but it is obviously much cheaper on other consoles. It rates around a 7 out of 10. I would also call this franchise like an F-Zero clone. It's very much like a futuristic racer on bikes with machine guns. Yeah, and uh, it's uh, it's funny that we've, we we seem to have all the the usual suspect publishers in this episode. Mm. <laughs> we got THQ, yeah. Ubisoft, Capcom, and finally Acclaim gets to show its head. So <laughs> Acclaim at least made mostly good games. <laughs> yes. as, uh, like that's a defense I can say. That's true. And uh, it's reminded me more when I played it. It's more akin to Wipeout games yeah. than F Zero. Sure. Yeah, I can see that. 
I, I have a problem with, with games like this, though, that, like, they kind of tout their fast speeds when it's like you go from zero to 300 miles per hour in a matter of seconds, but it doesn't <laughs> feel like you're moving that fast. Like, in this game, there are trees on the side of the road, and, like, mm-hmm. I know how big a tree is, and, like, you're not moving that fast based on how quickly you're moving <laughs> between trees. So, I don't know. I always had that problem with these racing games when it's like you see 483 miles an hour on the speedometer, and, like... I know how fast that is. Like, you can just say you're going 50 miles an hour. It's fine. <laughs> I'd be just yeah. as impressed. I don't care. <laughs> so that uh, I think that only happens in the, any of the tracks that have trees, which I, from what I remember, there's only one track, the mining one. But hmm. on every other track, surprisingly, that problem is not there. Like, you actually do feel a crazy sense of speed really? in this game. For most of the other tracks, hmm. or all of the tracks I played with. And I ended up playing this one quite a lot because I ended up enjoying it quite a lot. Did you play any of the other Extreme G racing games in the series? Like, this is the fourth game in the uh, and the last game in the franchise. Did, did no, you... I, I, didn't even, I didn't even know. I thought that this was the only yeah, game. Yeah, <laughs> there's also, there's actually another Extreme G game on the GameCube, Extreme G3. And uh, we covered that, Neil, in our third fourth episode i think uh, it was the clones, clones. episode wow. yeah. why did that why did this game not get thrown in that episode? <laughs> yeah i we <laughs> clearly uh we messed up but <laughs> screw that up oh well <laughs> but yes the extreme g series is is um i guess it was a claims answer to to that futuristic racer uh genre which was really big at the time in the early 2000s mm-hmm. um and acclaim was pretty famous for trying to can dip their hands into every genre and often with with quite a bit of success so it, it, it's cool to see these games honestly i would so i'll get into this game because mm-hmm. i don't have too much on it but what i do have it is an excellent game in my opinion you have a lot of variety in um, track and even weathers mm-hmm. most of the weather is just like visual there's no actual you know gameplay to it but you have a lot of variety in the tracks so you have from you know beautiful skies green domes sky like cities in the sky underwater raceways um a mining shaft like mining um track on an asteroid a mining track on earth it's with like green and rust it's all different colors depending on what track you choose um there's weapons and everything too but the gameplay really like i think even now it holds up Mm -hmm. because it is the sense of speed is there, and it is fun. Hmm. There's a lot of characters in it. Each time you use a weapon against a character, kind of like a FMV video on the top left pops up with a character's reaction, so that's kind yeah, of fun. Yeah, I noticed mm-hmm. that. Yeah, there's a lot of different um, bikes you can unlock, and you unlock them through basically what is known as a story mode, which doesn't really have a story, but oh well. <laughs> the announcer also announces the track before every race, and what that track is about which kind of gives the world a grounded feel because the announcer is talking about oh this is the mining shaft where you know we are in the space vacuum and that's actually going to affect the player and everything oh, there's, so, there's lore in the game you're saying <laughs> there's actual lore in the game there's a definite rubber banding mm. music wise i would actually say this is a pretty good uh like game with music tracks mm. you can choose from dance and rock genres or you can choose both to play mm-hmm. and both of the songs uh, both of the genres have licensed songs oh. from bands i've never heard but <laughs> after this game i think i might actually check out because some of the songs are pretty good mm, very mm. cool interesting I'm, I'm i'm looking at gameplay right now and this actually is basically what i wanted from hot wheels 
Like just looking at the <laughs> yeah. the way yeah, the, yeah. the way the tracks are like windy and like they're not super wide and they're very twisty and you can see them all in the di- like you can see the entire track in the distance, which is really neat. It's yeah, like a giant nice. roller coaster, which is what you want from like a Hot Wheels track, because that's what Hot Wheels is. Uh, it's just this one's on bikes. I kind of get. Do you guys remember Spy Kids three? Uh, unfortunately, yes. <laughs> I get yeah. kind of vibes from that racing scene from Spy Kids 3D when they're racing. I don't know why I remember that scene in particular, but <laughs> I can see that. But I would suggest, like, if you want to play a futuristic game, pick this one up for sure, especially on the GameCube. Neat. Yeah. And uh, just to circle back to the beginning, Cheltenham is in England. It's a small town. Yes, very good. <laughs> it sounds very British. All right, uh, let's move on to the last game on our list, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yes, Road Trip Arcade Edition, or uh, Choro Q, as it's also known. Choro Q! Exclamation <laughs> point. <laughs> Which was released on May 15, 2004. It's developed by Hudson Soft. It's published by Takara in Japan, Conspiracy Entertainment in North America, and Zoo Digital Publishing in Europe. Uh, this is a GameCube exclusive. It's priced between $25 and $100, depending on... The condition, wow. the sealedness, it's got a, yeah, it's a huge range. I don't know what was going on with this game. <laughs> Again, rates a 6 out of 10. We just can't quite get That's to... way too high. That's way too high for really? this. I'm sorry for this one. That's <laughs> way too high. This game looks like fun. I don't know. <laughs> so so here, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll describe um, the gameplay and you might reconsider what you said. The cars can know. jump. <laughs> the cars can do little hops. I love it. <laughs> so it can do little hops, which is always fun, mm-hmm. but... There's literally, like, there's no momentum in this game. No. You can turn on a 90-degree angle, and you will keep all your speed. I love you it. You do not need the brake button at all, um, which, is, you know, it's a either a good thing or a bad thing, depending on who you are. There's no collision, like, downside either. You crash into a wall, you'll still keep your speed. You crash <laughs> into your opponent, neither of you will lose speed. It's just... There's no real challenge when you think about it. There's yeah. weapons and stuff. Um, there's a lot of different cars to choose from, but they all handle pretty much the exact same. Okay. There's upgrades you can get with... There's a money system in this game. So there's upgrades you can get. But yeah, for the most part, if you like the type of game that presents no challenge and is maybe stupid fun, maybe this is good. And I do kind of see what they were trying to do with the car designs. They're very like squished so it kind of look, yeah. feels like you're um driving on a small hot wheels track basically right. see this this feels more like a hot wheels game than <laughs> the hot wheels games for me <laughs> yeah yeah most of the games here feel like <laughs> hot wheels game more than i'm just really nostalgic for there's a game on the uh, n64 called penny racers which it had a sequel on wii i think i didn't play the wii one i just played the n64 one mm-hmm. and this reminds me exactly of that you play as like chibi little cars like versions of real size cars and you race through basically real like small areas like you're kind of driving through buildings and houses kind of like micro machines which was another sort of toy car hot wheels spin-off competitor from the 80s and 90s i guess and i don't know like i just i played penny racers to death when i was a kid and this just reminds me of that like i i was looking for a penny racers game on gamecube and they, we never had one and when i saw this i was like oh this is basically penny racers i might have to check this one out and mm-hmm. like there's little little speed boost it's kind of like a crappy little kart racing game where you yeah, have it's really crappy though that's the only like <laughs> it has charm to it honestly it does there's a lot of stuff you can unlock visually as well um and it, it has this cute aesthetic that makes it hard to be like okay this is a sh- game but the gameplay is just so brain dead that it's kind of hard for me to 
recommend. I don't think it would be fun after like the first 10 minutes probably of playing it. Yeah. yeah. I, I can see this just being like, oh, well, this is probably it after you're done playing. But there's actually a course in the game. I'm not sure the name of the course, but you're in kind of like a toy room and there's, there's a GameCube. Yeah. Like, yeah. The kid's bedroom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I saw that one too. That I was like, Ooh, there's oh, there's a GameCube. <laughs> and, and there's a skateboard or something and it's upside down and on it says Penny Racer. What? <laughs> oh, what's the tie in here? Wait, okay. So this one is the real lore game. I'm buying this game. Or we could call it the Dark Souls <laughs> of, uh, of racers. Of, uh, <laughs> I need there to we find go, yeah. all of the Easter eggs in here. So it is like a Penny Racer spiritual successor. Yeah, it seems like it. Um, Wild. Uh, I, I will say, so its name in North America is Road Trip Arcade Edition, and it definitely feels like an arcade game more than anything. Like I could hmm. see myself playing this at an arcade. I could never see myself buying this and playing it on a console. Yeah. And I think is the biggest issue with this game. I would I would definitely agree on with that. Yeah. It looks like it could have been a decent like DS game or three DS game. Like just something to play on the go, like Well, know? there is compatibility with the GBA and the GameCube. Uh oh, through of course your favorite Game Boy Advance cable. Uh it it charges it charges you tax every year and <laughs> uh and it, it steals from your it steals grass from your backyard. I think I think all you can do is you just play like you can just play the Game Boy Advance game on the uh like like on that game basically so mm. it's the same idea of just like getting a game boy advance player uh so okay uh, kind of weird that they did that but uh mm. ah, i know this this i like the power-ups so i thought that was cool it definitely feels like a, a toy card and as- aesthetically it actually in my opinion it does look pretty good yeah yeah it looks fine yeah. it looks better than uh the what was the other one um city Velocity racer X. yeah or that yeah, yeah. Uh, it's kind of hard to compare it to city <laughs> well i'm just saying they came out at the same time roughly there's, so. there's lots to unlock though there's 100 cars in the game and 36 courses so like it's not empty at least it's not like it came with five tracks and mm-hmm. yeah i'm probably gonna end up picking this game up at some point <laughs> as you should neil why not as you should it seems like a neil game for me but uh <laughs> that concludes all the games that we have to talk about today guys that was yeah. uh ali i think i think i just want to keep you on a little bit longer for the end like our little end bit of the episode since you're the racing of course, yeah. you're, you're the racing expert usually mike and i we talk about at the end of the episode where we see x game or franchise or genre going forward on nintendo hardware in this case the switch uh i obviously the switch and nintendo are going to have racing games till the end of time racing games are a part of video games there'll always be a video game genre there will always be racing games coming out every week so why don't we maybe phrase this a little bit differently are there any racing games on a nintendo platform or we'll we'll, we'll expand it to current gen hardware with ps4 xbox one and now ps5 and the series x are there any racing games coming out soon that you're interested in soon i can't really say have because... you forgotten that hot wheels unleashed is coming out on september 27th oh yeah of right year. of course since we talked about it of course yeah that one without a doubt uh on ps5 i'm excited for gran turismo 7 okay but in terms of other than Hot Wheels Unleashed, I don't see much coming out that's really grabbing my attention. Because the modern racing genre has just divided into two. Hmm. Extreme arcade or extreme realism. There is no longer a middle ground, which is something I dislike because that's where some of the best games kind of came from. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I do see... <laughs> You know, 10 years down the line when Nintendo finally releases another Mario Kart, that would be nice. <laughs> yeah. Instead of 
milking a 10 year old mario 8 like christ man <laughs> I, I really like the mario kart 8 game it's just i you know release something new I it's know. been what two two it's, generations at this point it's been seven years over almost seven years to the day actually at this episode it's may 29th 2014 yeah we, we're overdue for a mario kart game for sure how about you mike are there any racing games coming out this year that you can think of you're not a huge racing guy but sometimes you borrow my racing games so uh <laughs> i'm looking forward to f-zero uh gxx which is of course ah. uh, <laughs> almost bmx triple x uh no the, i didn't know there was a new f-zero coming out. <laughs> there, 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 there is there is not oh, okay, no i, I was just dashing alley's hopes there mm. um Damn. No, I, 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 I think I'm definitely looking forward to the new Hot Wheels game because I saw that actually before, even before before we started this podcast, I heard that game was coming out, um, mm-hmm. and so to see footage footage of it quite recently kind of gave me some hope. And Mario okay. Kart Nine obviously would be the one that I would hope to eventually come out. But yeah, for me, um, I'm I'm a guy who plays racing games at other people's houses, uh, or mm-hmm. I'll uh, I like to play them at arcades. I, I I'm I think that's like my best racing is playing it at arcades honestly uh that's yeah. where i get the most fun out of it so um yeah i i i hope uh that that hot wheels game reviews well and uh, i'll probably pick it up if it does sweet okay so sorry there are two games that i completely forgot <laughs> that yeah. are coming up that i think would be actually pretty good okay, okay. um and we covered this in the last racing episode the burnout games mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and i even talked about dangerous driving which was the spiritual successor oh, yeah. made by many of the same developers mm-hmm. the sequel to dangerous driving is slated to come out this year Ooh. sweet so that will be very exciting it will have open world um in it for some reason which whatever let's see how they implement it um and then a remake of test drive unlimited is coming which is a game around the same era that we covered today that reviewed pretty decently when i played it it was just a fun again kind of realistic but also in the middle with having arcade features in it racer with real life cars and just a fun map so these two games i'm also looking forward to sweet very cool very cool cool. good year of racing games ahead indeed well ali thank you so much for coming on this episode and uh just sharing your wealth of knowledge about racing the genre and of course uh some of these these really fun games like automodelista so um yeah can't thank you enough and we look forward to seeing you again possibly on the next racing episode or possibly even sooner yeah yeah no worries thanks for having me guys honestly yeah sweet yeah all right thanks ally you too man bye Bye. later guys bye what a nice young man what a nice young man thank you ally for coming on again sharing that amazing wealth of knowledge that you have on those games and Mm -hmm. uh ali's he he, he's such a good researcher he knows his stuff and we could not have done this episode without him so again many many thanks no i've been playing pokemon snap all week i don't know (laughs) anything about these games (laughs) Pokemon Snap is my favorite racing game, to be honest. Pokemon Snap is a terrific on-rails racing game. I win every time. But I am seriously looking forward to the new Hot Wheels game this year. I think I will have to pick that one up. Coming out right around my birthday, too. So that's not too bad. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to that, too, Neil. Mm -hmm. But let's look back for just a second longer. Mike, if you had to pick one of these games that we talked about today, which one would you suggest the fans out there pick up? Or maybe one that you're looking for now? Uh, I would love to find Auto Modelista. 
mm-hmm. I would kill if I could find that game for less than $100 because I would buy it. <laughs> Uh, Good luck. It looks so cool, and I know that it's very controversial. And I'm sorry, Retro Wolf, if you're listening to this because you're probably <laughs> grinding your teeth saying how bad this game is. But uh, I just wanna I wanna pick it up to just just experience it and really just look at the graphics because it looks amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to see this game, maybe you can find a good PC version on the Dolphin emulator or something. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that those exist out there somewhere. It would be really sweet to have this game. In HD, like I love to see yeah. cell shader graphics bumped up a little bit. Like give it the, I almost said the 13 treatment, but that's not right. Go go have fun with it. Like make Capcom should come back and make this game too. They've got so much money from the Resident Evil games and Devil May Cry and, and like Mega Man remakes. Like just put yeah. out Automodelista, like a little $20, $30 game. Put it on Switch, put it on Xbox and everything, Game Pass, whatever. I'd buy like, it. I would too. I probably would too. I think that if I had to like, you know, gun to my head, yeah, Automodelista is probably the game from this list to pick up. I'm really into Road Trip Arcade Edition, though. <laughs> and that's the game that you will be picking up, so that's that's a very fair point. <laughs> I think I have to be honest out there with the listeners. And, like, Automodelista is the correct answer, but my answer <laughs> is Road Trip Arcade Edition because it looks like Penny Racer, and I have a huge soft spot for that game on N64. I, 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 can, I can understand that, Neil. That's very understandable. <laughs> very understandable indeed. But, Mike, why don't you let the listeners know what they can expect on a very exciting episode 50 of the GameCube Was Cool podcast. Well, episode 50 is actually the one-year anniversary, Neil, since we started this podcast. Wow. So it's going to be Launch Day 2.0. We're going to be recovering uh, the the Launch Day episode, so we're going to be doing it very similarly to how we did it for the first episode. But Neil and I do not love how that episode sounds because we did it (laughs) a year ago. We've evolved since then. We've digivolved since then. Mm. And we wanted to do uh, these games a little better justice than than we did previously, uh, especially one of the Star Wars games that we'll be covering. Uh, Mm -hmm. But uh, I'm really excited to to do that again, Neil, and uh, it's going to be a fun time. I'm really looking forward to it, Mike. I was listening to that episode a little bit just this last weekend, and I I, I messaged you. I barely even recognize us. Like, we don't sound the same. We don't have the same mic presence, and it is kind of sad because we, we see the listeners, and there are people that jump in on episode one. It's still. our second best episode. It's our second best downloaded episode. So thank you so much for the people out there that do go back and listen to our early stuff. I honestly mean that because... I don't love listening to it, especially our first episode, which could be better. So we're going to re-record it and give some of those games a little bit more justice, give give the episode the format that we've sort of evolved the show into. And we're also going to have the front part of the episode is going to be a bit of a Q&A. So if you're listening to this episode, the day it goes live on uh, May 13th, you'll still have a couple of days to submit a Q&A, a question for us. Uh, we will answer it on the show. Uh, since it's been a year, we've developed a bit of a following and we want to try and get some of the listeners involved as opposed to just the mailbag and the Patreon message so i'm looking forward to it it's going to be a ton of fun yeah it's gonna be a ton of fun i'm really excited but until then ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for listening to episode 49 of the gamecube was cool podcast new episode every thursday on all the podcast services leave us ratings and reviews so we can make the show better and find a bigger audience if you want to support the show you can find us on patreon we are the gamecube was cool follow us on instagram at the gamecube pod and share us with your friends and family thank you so much for the support and we will see you next week So long. Bye-bye. GameCube. Over 600 games you've never heard of. GameCube. The product of what happens when you think inside the box. GameCube. It's kind of cheesy good.